Hi, everyone, and welcome to the By the Laces podcast. My name is Bilal Malik, and this is my co-host, Trenton Cedal. How are you, Trenton? Well, Bilal, I think my emotions cannot be contained in a single word, but I must say, Eric Branch, a beat writer for the San Francisco Chronicle, asked Kyle Shanahan, what was your initial offer going to be for Aaron Rodgers? And Kyle Shanahan looked at him and said, you. And... You're not a future Hall of Famer, but Bilal, I would not trade you for anything. I'm ad- doing absolutely fantastic. How are you, Bilal? <laughs> wow, man, that just made my day, and the day has barely begun. So thank you very much for that. And I don't even know how we continue from here. I think we should end the show. Let's let's just call it a day. Call it a day. <laughs> That was a, a little bit of a long-winded story, but it shows you my appreciation for this show and for having you as a co-host. So here we go. Just a few weeks into the season. Let's uh, carry it forward. All right, back at you, buddy. All right. So we all saw the, uh, the unfortunate dominant performance by the Green Bay Packers over the lines. <laughs> but, uh, I mean... I mean, at one point, we'll get to this in a minute, but at one point, it was like the uh, the Lions were going toe-to-toe with Green Bay until Green Bay, the Lions became the Lions and the Packers became the Packers. Yeah. I remember uh, messaging you, and I was like, Have you, are you looking at this game? The, the Lions are going toe-to-toe with the Packers. And then all of a sudden, no more than maybe 20 minutes later, it's like, uh, yeah, can probably turn this game off (laughs) exactly and one person who was um playing lights out during that game was packers running back aaron jones and he scored four touchdowns which was great for fantasy owners and bad for anyone trying to defend him and this was a uh special moment for jones because because he was wearing the ashes of his uh, dad in a necklace or around his neck because his dad had recently passed away due to uh, COVID camp complications in April. And during one of his various runs in the end zone, that necklace was lost. And But luckily, the Packers grounds crew was able to find it the next morning. And it's just... Um, they dug through that field and found it for him. Yeah, that's uh, I think during the, the post game interview, he said something like, you know, I, I know my dad would have would like to be in the end zone. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's nice. But also somebody find that man's dad's ashes, please. <laughs> it's probably important to him. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, you know, there's, he tweeted out later that it was found at 1.45 in the morning. And the trainer, Brian Engel, uh, apparently nicknamed Flea, was the one who found it. So that just shows how, um, how much of a family that team is that they were willing to, The trainer was willing to go out there and just find, the, find those ashes for him, man. It's kind of fitting, right? The way you said it. He's like, if you're gonna lose it, lose it in the end zone. So, yeah, it's a good story in a 
Very interesting story. Not one that we hear very often. Speaking of, uh, speaking of other stories, we've got the NFL, which is about to host a combine in London in order to scout international talent and to generate more global exposure for the sport. They're going to have 50 athletes from 14 countries, which is going to be a place to find international athletes that might have the skill sets to be able to play in the NFL. And some of the countries listed here are Britain, Germany, Belgium, New Zealand, France, Nigeria, Austria, Slovakia, Italy, Switzerland, Japan, Finland, Sweden, and Hungary. And it's, it's a pretty good opportunity, I think, just to be able to get more recognition of the NFL around the world and to try and find some of those players that otherwise wouldn't have a chance to be able to play in the league. I mean, it's another aspect of the NFL just trying to grow their brand throughout to stretch the whole world. I mean, some of the most anticipated games of the year are those London games that happen. And I remember at one point, Trenton, it used to be just one game a year or maybe not even every year, but like there used to be a, at least one game in London. Now we have uh, roughly, I think it's three games a year playing in London. And it's just that we've played in Mexico, we've played in Canada, we've played in London. And I bet that we'll be able to expand to other countries uh, as time goes on. And it's a good way to find talent that otherwise would not have been found. I think if you notice the back of the helmets that players wear, I think starting this year, I saw that international players are allowed to have the decal of their home country's flag on the back of their helmet alongside the American flag. So it's just, it's, it's a, uh, representation that the NFL is trying to become a global sport and um, see how uh, they can just keep growing their their brand. It's Who knows, we might find the next Tom Brady somewhere, sitting somewhere in another country. So, Yeah, and what a great story that would be. <clears throat> I mean, you thought uh, Kurt Warner's story was amazing. And also, um, I want to take a quick break right here. We do not put this in our notes. But bringing up Kurt Warner, the uh, trailer, Trenton, for the new biopic on Kurt Warner, it was just came out this past week on the Jimmy Kimmel Live. Kurt Warner and uh, actor Zachary Levi, who plays Kurt Warner in the movie, um, came out to show that trailer. And we know the story of Kurt Warner. We've been tracking him our whole life, basically, because... He started playing in the early 2000s, basically when we were born. And then you see, you play, you see him play with the Rams and you see him play with the Cardinals. And then now we watch him as an analyst and a Hall of Famer. So we all know the story of Kurt Warner, but now just to see it like in a movie, that's a movie that I can't wait to go watch. So I think it comes out, this is not a promotion for the movie. Just sharing my appreciation for Kurt Warner. Uh, the movie, I think, comes out uh, around Christmas time. So it'll be a nice holiday movie to go watch with, uh, with the family. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I can't add anything to that. I think you said it absolutely perfectly. And the movie's name, 
It's called American Underdog. I think that's an important fact. But <laughs> if they're listening and they want to sponsor us, go for it. You know, one thing I I did uh, find interesting from the movie is their, that they had Coach Mike Martz in there. <laughs> Which is a little bit of a throwback from the Chicago yes, days and Jay Cutler. Exactly. <laughs> um, it just depends on what I was thinking because Warner won his Super Bowl with um, March's OC, his offensive coordinator, and Dick Vermeil was, was his uh, <coughs> was his head coach. So I'm hoping. Uh, I mean, of course, March ended up becoming the the OC. I mean, the head coach uh, later on for the Rams. But it'll, I think this, I'm assuming that this movie spans his entire career from like start to finish, like all the rejections and everything, and then stocking the shelves in the supermarket and arena football and Green Bay. And we all know the story, but it's like, it'll just be interesting to see um, what timeline they show marks in it. Hopefully, both. Because they were both uh, critical time periods. All right, moving on to um, so Trent, have you been watching the Monday Night Football broadcast of the <coughs> sorry of the uh, Manning brothers, who have their alternate version of Monday Night Football, which honestly it should just be the the actual version. No disrespect yeah. to the commentators, <laughs> but just watching the Manning brothers. During a game was interesting, even though I have not spent that much time on it. But from what I've seen, I like it. I I feel the same. I've seen some clips of it. I've seen uh, <laughs> Eli Manning making fun of uh, Peyton Manning's forehead many many times throughout it. But uh, yeah, it's it's cool that they bring on so many different guests as well. I mean. They're, the two Manning brothers have personality for for days and days. I mean, we've already seen all the commercials with them, usually bickering or smacking each other in some way. But uh, it's also cool to see them interact with a lot of NFL legends that are able to come on. Exactly. Um, so... One of the guests that they had, because they had a rotating uh, lineup of, <coughs> sorry, <laughs> honestly, they had a rotating lineup of guests on their show. One of the guests was none other than Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I almost said Patriots for some reason. Tampa Bay Buccaneers tight end Rob Gronkowski. Gronkowski. And he was asked, and this is a quote that uh, Gronk gave on the broadcast. And he said, my teammate, Cam Brake, asked me the other day, he goes, Rob, I have a serious question. Did you, do you ever watch film? And he said, and this is Gronk, he said, no, I don't. I just run by guys. If, if I'm feeling good, I'm feeling good. And then he's like, I know Tom watches 40 hours of film a week. I go, Tom, who's covering me this week? What type of coverage are they playing? And people just love running with that. And they have to forget that uh, Gronk is Gronk, and he loves to make jokes and have a good time. 
So Gronk had to issue a clarification today saying that he does, in fact, watch film and he doesn't just uh, get by on Tom Brady's brilliance. But who could blame him now? Yeah. Um, I mean, with with that guy and his personality, sometimes you can't tell. I mean, if he says Tom Brady's watching 40 hours of film a week, maybe Gronkowski is watching 60 hours of film a week. You never that know. I, that I do believe, though, that Tom Brady does watch 40 hours of film a week. Yeah. It's like an additional full-time job. Right. It's like, uh, I mean, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, even uh, John Gruden has a whole collection of film and <laughs> in, a, in a little room somewhere but uh yeah i mean they they know their craft and they they study it so much it's it's just their life and they're good at it of course otherwise they would not keep winning super bowls every year it's true all right now is time for um trenton's injury roundup oh yes our our weekly injury roundup well you see week two was a little rough for the quarterback, so much so that Josh McCown might want to consider coming out of retirement. We've got Tua Tungavailoa, who's got some fractured ribs after he got absolutely crushed because of the offensive line. He's not doing too well. Speaking of offensive line, Carson Wentz is no stranger to dealing with poor offensive line play. He's got not one, but two sprained ankles. Andy Dalton has a bone bruise. Wait, wait, after... wait, 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 yeah. wait, wait, yeah. wait, wait. Remind me, how many ankles does a normal person have? How many ankles does a normal person have? I believe it's only two, but biology so was sprained... a long time ago. So he sprained um, both of them? He sprained both ankles that your average human has, indeed. Oh, God. All right. Continue. Yes. Andy Dalton has a bone bruise after juking himself out of bounds. And Terod Taylor, the poor guy, has been injured for a third time in a week two game with a rookie quarterback on the roster. This time he's going to be out three to four weeks with a hamstring. The first time this happened was in 2018. He had a concussion and Baker Mayfield came in. And we all know that how that story ended in 2020. That was the incident that we call the pokey pokey in which Justin Herbert came in, and we all know how that's going. So, I don't know. Maybe rookie Davis Mills for the Texans is about to have a crazy career. And maybe Terod Taylor should consider sitting out in every Week 2 game going forward. (laughs) I see you're enjoying a little bit of this. going on always not not at the injuries but just the way you present the injuries yeah you know i like to roll with it uh ben roethlisberger has another injury to his arm of some sort he says he's throwing in pain but can still play baker me failed had a little bit of an injury in week two to his left shoulder in which he came out a little bit and gave his fans heart attacks and then came back in on his arm, he says, quote, still attached. Bradley Chubb, linebacker for the Broncos, has had ankle surgery. He's going to be out six to eight weeks. And Antonio Brown, we finally get to talk about him again. He's on the COVID slash reserve list for this week. He might not get to play 
against the Rams. So it's usually, it's usually not a good thing that we have to talk about Antonio Brown. It's true. All right, moving forward, it's uh, time to uh, recap the power rankings and see where every team lands based off of NFL.com's rankings. So, starting off, number one are the 2 0 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, previously also number one. Number two, the Kansas City Chiefs, previously also number two. The Baltimore Ravens moved up four spots to number three. Previously seven, the Los Angeles Rams dropped one spot from number three to four. Uh, the Buffalo Bills moved up one spot from six to five. The Green Bay Packers sadly moved up six spots from number 12 to number six. The 49ers moved up two spots from number nine to number seven. The Cleveland Browns stayed at number eight. Seattle Seahawks took a drop. They went from four to nine, drop of five spots. And the Arizona Cardinals round out the top 10 with the increase of four spots from number 14 to number 10. And hey, just at number 11, I know we stop at, uh, we stop at 10 that we discussed, but just as a a piece right here, the Vegas, Las Vegas Raiders have moved up seven spots from number 18 to number 11. So just wanted to throw that out there and get your thoughts on these top 11 teams now. Yeah, it's uh, I think it's stayed relatively steady. I mean, most of the ones that are in the top 10 or even in the top 15 are still somewhere in that range. Um, I found it interesting, of course, that the Ravens moved so far up, but I suppose when you take on the Chiefs and you beat the Chiefs, then you are going to move up quite a bit. The Packers, of course, jumped up really quickly, but uh, I mean, it was against the Lions, and the Lions were predicted to be not one of the best teams of this season, so... I don't know uh, how accurate that move would be. What are your thoughts? Yeah, basically the same as you. The teams that usually you find in the top, you just stay in the top. And teams that move into the top uh, are generally teams that have earned their way into it. So they should be there. But looking at some other movement here, um, the Carolina Panthers have moved up seven spots from 25 to 7. Sorry, 25 to 18, moving up seven spots. Uh, the New Orleans Saints dropped nine spots from number 10 to number 19. Um, and another nine spot drop is the Miami Dolphins from number 13 to 22. So these are some steep drops here. I still don't get how the Bears only moved up one spot from 26 to 25, and we're still behind the 0-2 uh, Minnesota Vikings, who remains the same at 24. I don't get that, but again, I'm biased. Still early in the season. There's still a, still a lot of time to go, but it's interesting. It's always interesting at the beginning of the season. I mean, you've got teams that are uh, – surprise 
surprise winners and you've got teams that are uh, kind of overhyped. So, hey, at least one thing is sure that consistency at the bottom is secure because uh, <laughs> the Jets came in at 30, stayed at 30, the Lions came in at 31, stayed at 31, and the Jaguars are still the worst team at 32. So, yeah, that uh, that might not change for a while. Now, time to look at the QB index to see where do we stack up against these thirty-two quarterbacks. So, in year number thirty-two, not thirty-two, year number twenty-two, Tom Brady has moved into the first spot, beating Patrick Mahomes, going from number two to number one. Which means Patrick Mahomes is now the second best quarterback as of week two, coming at number two. Aaron Rodgers, three. Russell Wilson, four. These two have not changed. Lamar Jackson has moved up two spots to number five. Justin Herbert stayed at six. Kyler Murray moved up two spots to seven. Dak Prescott stayed at eight. Derek Carr moved up four spots to number nine. And Josh Allen dropped five spots and number 10. What do you take away on the, on these top 10? Yeah, it's it's interesting that Aaron Rodgers stayed steady at number three, and yet his, his stats just don't match up with Patrick Mahomes at number two or Russell Wilson at number four. I mean, I know it's likely because Aaron Rodgers had that week one just absolutely awful game and that Aaron Rodgers is still a hall of fame player and, you know, a a generational kind of talent, but it's, I don't know. Is that, is that biased towards the player that we know he is and less based on his stats? I mean, Matthew Stafford has been playing lights out and he's, only at number 12, and he actually dropped one spot in this week's rankings. I think stats don't tell you the whole picture. Um, Here's an example right here. Um, Daniel Jones moved up eight spots to number 16. And uh, he, um, he played well. And times in that game against Washington, it's just that it never ended up on the stat sheet because of things that were out of his control. Receivers dropping passes and uh, some play calling that could have gone other, another way uh, with Jason Garrett and calling the plays. But, yeah, yeah stats aren't – we know how these players are. And – uh, I think there's a reason that Stafford – Stafford's new environment, though, I keep having to remember that he's on the Rams now. It's proved to be a pretty good success for him. So, good for him. Even though it kind of pains me to say that, but you got to acknowledge – you got to acknowledge it while it's there. Um, Teron Taylor moved up 10 spots, though, to number 17. Good for him. Good for him. And now he's out. Now he's out with an injury. Yeah, that's that's true. But it's it's good to see that he can uh, he can still do it in year eleven. 
and uh, Trenton uh, Jameis Winston. No. Dropped no. six spots to number 22. No. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Still winning an MVP? Maybe. <laughs> All right, it's still it's still early in the season. It's not how he starts. It's how he finishes. <laughs> hey, Sam Darnold moved up five spots to number 25. So maybe he's finally found the right spot in Carolina. Maybe. Or maybe he's finally moved away from the bad spot under uh, Adam Gase. Or just the New York Jets in general, because their current quarterback, Zach Wilson, dropped eight spots, number 31. Yep. And uh, the number one is at 32. Trevor Lawrence dropped three spots. And uh, it's not looking good for either of the rookies, except for Mac Jones. Who the Patriots got, who's just chilling remember, though, at number 24. Yeah, I remember that he's playing with Bill Belichick as his head coach, and uh, I think Bill Belichick can make anyone look good. So, but Trevor Lawrence is struggling, man. Two games, 50% completion percentage, 450 yards, only 5.4 yards per pass, four touchdowns, five interceptions, and 19 rushing yards with no touchdowns. And no fumbles. So it's going to be a steep learning curve up ahead for him. So we shall see where this leads us. Yeah. And I mean, for Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, it's it's far too early to call them busts of any sort. I mean, at this point, it's, it's far too early to call any young quarterback a bust. I mean, look at Sam Darnold. He's, just, he's finding success. success now. Right. That's success. true. So it's just uh. It's just a wait-and-see game. NFL season's a roller coaster. And now we'll get to this in a minute as well, but now you're going to throw Justin Fields into the mix. So we'll see how this uh, progression uh, pans out. All right, Trenton, do you have any uh, games for us to uh, recap? Oh, yes. It seems like for two straight weeks, there have been some absolutely crazy games that have been happening and honestly i feel like it's because there's fans back in the stands and it's just changing the momentum and changing the feel of everything first off we've got the minnesota vikings and arizona cardinals who went into a very unexpected shootout in which the cardinals won 34 to 33 because the vikings sadly traumatized their fans once more with a missed field goal. <laughs> hey, I like it though. The Vikings have started out 0 and 2. But um, no, but this game, we couldn't watch this game, right? Because it's in our, it's not in our market, the Chicago area. But uh, just looking at the summary of the game it's, and uh, watching the highlights, it's like a, a shootout. Touchdown, touchdown, punt. Punt, field goal, like they literally mimic each other on every possession. And that's why you see at the end of the game was 34-33. Yeah, and I mean. the Vikings had a chance. It's not the first time the Vikings have blown an opportunity like this. It's like if they keep it up this way, you might as well have called them the new Lions. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Shots fired. <laughs> I mean. Kirk Cousins did not play bad in this game. 
three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Delvin Cook was cooking again, That's 22 good. carries, 131 yards. Uh, Kyler Murray played well enough. I mean, 400 yards, three touchdowns. He threw two interceptions, both of which were kind of ill-advised. I'm going to play the hero while off balance and whoops, it's a pick. Oh, it's another pick. But I mean, but the worst that they did was just getting a field goal off of the second interception. The first one, the the Cardinals defense was able to hold the, uh, no, it actually ran out of, what happened? Here? Return for a touchdown. By the Vikings. Oh, it was a pick six. Pick My six, bad. yeah. As I'm reading the, the summary here, and I'm like, interception, <laughs> but it wasn't a – okay. But then he comes back on the next possession and throws a touchdown. So, it uh, – A little bit of redemption to A.J. Green. A.J. Green there of all go. people. There you go. And then it's based off of this, right? It's like the team that had the ball last at window. It's really just – turned into one of those games and the mm-hmm. Vikings had the ball last and they uh, they didn't capitalize. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, and speaking of another team that should have had the ball last, if not for uh, my guy Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Hope he bounces back from it, but it's the Kansas City Chiefs against the Baltimore Ravens in another one-point game. Ravens took this 36 to 35 and uh, I guess I've teased a little bit of it already. I might as well finish it off uh, right at the end of the game as the chiefs are driving down the field for what could potentially be the game winning drive. Clyde Edwards, Allaire fumbles the ball, Baltimore recovers and is able to run out the clack. But I mean, just right from the start, this game was absolutely crazy. I mean, it's just scoring back and forth. Every play, it seemed like, was a chunk play for, like, 10-plus yards. It's it's another one of those one-point games that ended up in – I mean, the Chiefs lost in September. I mean, when was the last time that happened? Mahomes was, like, undefeated in September. Mahomes had not thrown an interception in September. And, like, these – Things are like, what happened to the Chiefs, man? And then on the other hand, you go like, are the Ravens really this good? Now, they might be. I don't know if it's uh, – because I always felt that there was uh, – especially Lamar. Lamar was a little overrated at times because uh, he had a great run game. But now he has no run game because he has no running backs. He is the run game now. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, again, how long can he keep this up for? Can he keep this up for? We'll have to see. But uh, at least it's good for playoff standings. If it comes down to it at the end of the 17-game season, now the Ravens have a tiebreaker over the Chiefs for any potential home games if it comes down to it. Yeah, that's that's true. And, I mean – Man, for it to be this early in the season and to already have a game that's, you know, almost 1,000 yards of total offense with both teams combined, it's 
it just feels so crazy. <laughs> it's the new wave of the NFL. Yeah. Bill Belichick was probably horrified. <laughs> yeah. He was still able to uh, play well on his side, though. So I think there's not much to worry about when you play uh, for, him, for him. All right. I think we are on to our favorite part of this part of the as of this week yeah as of this week yeah i like it um the bears and the Bengals. friend i think the chicago bears defense is back man after a week off i think they decided to uh show up for the home crowd yeah and uh i was i was a little worried i was worried that they might be uh getting some booze from their home crowd and the home opener if they played like they did in week one, but uh, it was good. It was definitely good. I really liked how uh, Andy Dalton was going to, it was able to come out and because, I mean, he had known the back of his head, right? That he makes one incomplete pass or he just throws an interception, does something, but the home crowd is going to boo him because they don't, they wanted Justin Fields. And we'll get to that in a second, but like, he came out and he led that team down for an efficient drive, which ended in a ended in a touchdown. So, and he commanded that offense. Uh, he kind of built on what he did in the first game against the Rams, except eliminated those uh, inter- that interception and any of those bad plays that he had. And, so it was – I was having a lot of fun watching that. And then you get to the Bears. I mean, big old 96. Man, he was all over the field. Every way you go, you see Akeem Hicks has decided – has made his presence felt. And I felt like the Bengals just couldn't defend him. And three interceptions back to back to back. I mean – and then – that there was a fumble in there too, right? I I believe so. It was uh, forced by Eddie Jackson, I think. There we go, Bojack. So uh, yeah, the, the, so here's a sequence of events here: the Bengals fumbled, the Bears field goal, the Bengals interception, the Bengals interception again. Bears punt, Bengals interception again, Bears field goal. It's like three interceptions on three back-to-back passes was was something to see. Mm -hmm. For sure. And, I mean, even though though the final score is uh, the Bears only winning by three, it didn't feel that way. It didn't feel that way at all. It It was almost total control by the Bears. Now, one of the reasons it did come to such tight scoring was because of a Justin Fields interception. But before we get to um, that, I just want to get your take on the situation now. He, so we we talked about in your, in your injury report, right, that now Andy Dalton is out with the bone bruise, but Matt Nagy has, uh, as he has been the whole year, saying that when Andy Dalton is ready to go, he will be the starting quarterback, which I, based off of his performance, at least in this game, before he went out, I think that right now 
if you're someone who wants to win, N. Dalton gives you the best chance. But now we are finally going to be able to see what Justin Fields looks like after a full week of prep as the starting quarterback. And because uh, there were moments last week where he looked like a rookie. Like on two back-to-back plays, he gets like called on a false start because he moved his foot back. And that's just something an Andy Dalton uh, would not have done in that situation. Because, mm-hmm. again, he'd been playing the league for like 11 years. This is this guy's first action, significant action in that game. So uh, let's get your take on the situation. We'll see. Uh, and then we'll see what do we think of him against uh, Cleveland. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you, um, except perhaps the part where he said his, you know, his, his foot's going back. I think his entire body is falling backwards before the snap begins. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, you know, he's, he's kind of just like <laughs> standing on the edge and sort of leaning back, letting momentum take him. And he's like, why isn't the ball coming to me? <laughs> it's weird. But, um, yeah, like you said, he had rookie moments. Um, and I think that's just what you're going to have to deal with if you decide to start a rookie. I mean, the Jaguars don't have that option because they traded away Gardner Minshew. <laughs> uh, so they have to be stuck with Trevor Lawrence. And the Jets got rid of Sam Darnold and they have Zach Wilson. And, you know, we're seeing how both of those situations are playing out. They're playing like rookies. Um, I mean, even Mac Jones as well, he's having some success, but that's also coming from playing under arguably the best coach that football has ever seen. And I mean, no offense to, to Matt Nagy or, or Sean Desai or anybody in the Bears staff, they are not the best <laughs> coach in all of football because that's Bill Belichick. But if you see the way that the Bears defense played, and we need that defense to show up every week, and it just looked like they were, like they were embarrassed, flat out embarrassed that the Brown that the rate. Da, da, da. I'm gonna name every team before I get the right one. <laughs> that the Rams put up 34 points on them on Sunday Night Football in front of a national audience. They were embarrassed by that, and you could tell from the beginning that the Bears defense wanted to. Um, wanted to prove that they were not who uh, they weren't who everyone thought they were. If you wanted to put it that way, if you get the reference. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So they, they want to show that this is what a Chicago bears defense looks like historically. And now like Chicago is known for defense and we even uh, the pick six by Roquan Smith. I mean, that just helped and having that lead, and for most of the game, having that lead been defended against by the defense really allowed Justin Fields to make those mistakes, right? Like, he was able to throw that pick, and he was, you know, which allowed the, the Bengals to score a touchdown. But at the same time, there just wasn't enough time left for the Bengals to mount a significant comeback. So uh, I'm glad that the Bears' defense played because – People say this all the time, right? Our rookie quarterback's best friend is like a good defense and a good run game. We have a good run game. Like Montgomery's good. 
and he didn't have the same performance that he had last week, but he still put up um, uh, 61 yards rushing. So uh, I like I liked how that went, and and Justin Fields can get on the outside, and he can run too. So that's just another element. Um, he had 31 yards rushing on uh, 10 attempts. So and one key one at the end to like just propel get the game. Um, one key first down run towards the end of the game. So and the defense needs to come out and play. Make those turnovers like we did four turnovers, man. Three interceptions, one fumble. Um, that's Chicago Bears football right there. And that is uh, it's where Justin Fields is going to need if he's going to want to feel comfortable playing in the NFL. So, and Cleveland's not a not the pushover they used to be of a few years ago. They're a dominant force now. Baker Mayfield leading the charge, and Cam Stefanski is their head coach, and Brandon Odell is coming back now after the first game. So it might be a little, um, it might be a little rusty, but you can bet they're going to be targeting Odell uh, early on in the game. So whoever's covering him needs to uh, be on their A game. Yeah, and and Justin Fields is going to need to be careful because uh, having Miles Garrett and Jadevian Clowney on the other side of the football from him is not ideal for a rookie quarterback at all. The Bears had good pass protection too, for the most part, uh, especially, I mean, we saw Andy Dalton get out on the sides and running the ball on his own, which is what caused his injury. But for the most part, while he was in the pocket, uh, he was pretty clean. I think there was one or two sacks that they gave up, but I think uh, if Fields makes the right decisions, times the ball perfectly in certain situations. I think there was the play to Mooney in the end zone that went out. And it was just a timing situation. Mooney just ran out of he just ran out of space to run. Like your field's only 53 and a half yards wide. You can't make it 55 yards wide. So uh if Fields got that ball out of there faster uh earlier, he he would probably have had a touchdown. The throw to Robinson, that was just a drop by Robinson. So it's the whole team has got to come together now and they probably will after they practice with him for a whole week. So it'll be really interesting to see how the, the future he's the future, right? Even if Andy Dalton comes back at some point, Justin Fields next year is going to be the starting quarterback to Chicago Bears because Andy Dalton only signed for one year. So um, it, it will be interesting to see where this, uh, this leads us. Yeah. And, and I like the fire in him. I mean, that the one fumble that Fields had, you know, he went oh, diving he for out. it. He, oh, yeah. he fought it for it. Play, it was mm-hmm. a really risky play, though, because if he went out, uh, if he got hurt, uh, David Montgomery was our emergency quarterback. <laughs> so That's true. I would have I been more uh, comfortable with Tariq Cohen as our emergency quarterback. But he's still out right now, recovering from his AC. I I'd love, I want to see him come back soon. Yeah, uh, they they could definitely use him for sure. Definitely could, and he's been missed definitely. Um. All right then. So time to pick some games. Time to pick some games. Yeah, you're happy about this, aren't you? <laughs> Only a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah, because you went twelve and four last week. I went eleven and five. Brings your overall record up 22 and 10, and mine's at 18 and 14. So, with the first pick of the 
uh, the week. Thursday night football. We have the Panthers at the Texans. Uh, I'm going to have to go Panthers here because David Mills will be starting for the Texans. I am also taking the Panthers, especially uh, how they handle the Saints well. And yeah, there's the Texans are always a, uh, a mess, but now. Now without Terod Taylor, <laughs> kind of a little bit yeah. more of a mess. <laughs> yeah. Colts and Titans. Going to go with the Titans here. Same here, Titans. Uh, Falcons, Giants. I'm going to take the Giants on this one. I'm taking the Falcons on this one. Uh, Chargers and Chiefs. It's a nice little uh, AFC West divisional battle. I'm going to take the Chargers here. The Chargers are a good team, but I just feel like after that defeat, uh, the, the Chiefs will be back and it's at home. So I don't think the Chiefs will really lose that often at home. So I'm taking the Chiefs. Um, no. Bengals at Steelers. Another divisional battle. I'm going to go with the Bengals here. You sure about that? Like, I Joe am. Burrow's not going to be suffering from any trauma, throwing three interceptions? No, I think a he's... Back-to-back-to-back uh, to back to back plays? I, I think he's gotten rid of all of his ghosts. Well, yeah, he probably did that on the next play when he threw a touchdown. So, But, uh, yeah, I'm taking the Steelers. Uh, Bears and Browns, another AFC North opponent for the Bears. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Bears on this one. I think there's no doubt where I was going with that pick, so <laughs> bear down. <laughs> Ravens at Lions. I'm going to go with the Ravens here. Same here, Ravens. Saints at Patriots. Ooh, this is a tough one. Do I want to go with the future MVP, Jameis Winston? No, I'm going to go with Patriots. I'm taking, I'm taking the Saints. I'll go with Winston. Uh, right. Cardinals, Jaguars. Cardinals. Cardinals. No doubt in my mind. <laughs> Washington at the Bills. Going to go Bills. Same here. Bills. Jets at Broncos. 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 Dolphins at Raiders. 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 Yes, the 2-0 Raiders. Yes. Same here. Raiders. Uh, Seahawks at Vikings. Let's go with the Seahawks here. I'm taking the Seahawks as well. Buccaneers at Rams. I'm predicting another shootout here, actually. I'm going to go with the Rams. Taking the Bucs. I mean... Tom Brady just seems to be aging in reverse. It's like a Benjamin Button style. <laughs> if you've seen the movie. Um, the Packers at 49ers. Aaron Rodgers is coming home. Ooh. And when Aaron Rodgers comes home, he usually doesn't play so well. So I'm taking the Niners. I'm also taking the Niners. There you go. Eagles at Cowboys. 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 All right. So Jerry's World. This goes Monday Night Football. Should be fun to watch. Dak's arm. <laughs> so much to cover this week that we... It's good, it's good stuff. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, shaping up to be a really interesting season. 
All right. So thank you all for listening to the Bud Voices podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode. We hope you have a great rest of your week and enjoy watching some football. Don't forget to follow us at Bill Malik 15 and Trenton underscore Cito. Please stay safe and enjoy. Josh McCown, where you at?